fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast, After Dark. (laughs) This episode, we're going to still keep it family-friendly, but the movie we watched... We're going to give it the old college try. Well, you know. The movie we watched was not family-friendly. So, just be aware of that as we foray into the world that is Basic Instinct. Yeah, Pat already has. Pat already has thoughts. Oh, I have thoughts. Pat had many thoughts. You shared a bunch of them with me today. I'm like, yep, no, I think we're probably about on the same page. Yeah, it's just (sighs) thoughts. Many thoughts. thoughts. How does a movie like this get made? (laughs) Mm -hmm. How does a bill become a law? Mm -hmm. How do people agree to these things? I'm just a bill on capital. I mean, that's not how this got made, but well, it could be. I know some of the some of the background of like wanting to counteract some of the fear because the I mean the the AIDS pandemic was starting, you know, just uh, before this and was kind of in full swing during this time, and so I know that was something that I heard in some of the different interviews was that they were trying to counteract the idea that enjoying another person's company could be dangerous and scary. They were trying to counteract that. Yeah, apparently with the nice pick. I, I, I just, I there's, know. there's so many just things that just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm stumped. You're going to have some editing. There's going to be a lot of, That's okay. you know, maybe things that make you go. Hmm. That's okay. I, I just, I mean, The movie just became known, like when it came out, the movie that just became known for, you know, well, there's this scene and there's that scene and there's the other scene. And in watching it this time, like, other than that, there really wasn't much that kind of drew you into the movie. I don't know that there was a regime. I don't think there was a, was there a hero character that you were cheering for? The ice pick? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, because it was, you know, there weren't any good guys. You know, or or the people on the good side, everyone was seemingly petty and argumentative and yep. nasty to each other. And I, I just, 
so so yeah. just just so everybody's <laughs> just so everybody's aware while we were talking about this movie now obviously we, we do try to remain family friendly because mm-hmm. we know that you know some people that listen to our podcast you you might listen with your kids and i know sometimes my kids listen to the podcast so mm-hmm. in talking about this movie we're still going to try to remain family friendly and as such i have tried to compile a list of alternative terminology that can be used and i may attempt to use some of those to varying degrees as we talk about the subject matter of this movie so with that being said there was a lot of adult nap time in this movie and and a lot of unnecessary adult nap time and a lot of in a what's the word i'm looking for alternative uh, methods of adult mm-hmm. nap time mm-hmm. yeah Used. yeah a lot of variations on the aggressive cuddling Yes. Yes. No, I call it aggressive negotiation. <sighs> yeah. So, all right. Well, our movie this time around is Basic Instinct. So yeah. we're going to be talking about that one. You can probably already get a sense of where we're all at <laughs> with this movie. Just the the general vibe. See, the funny thing is, we pulling back the curtain just a little bit. We we are we are it's kind of metaphorical for the movie. Well, a little bit too. Yeah. Um, Allegorical. Yeah. We are recording, uh, a lot of times we record two episodes on, on a particular night, and then we you know release those separately on, on separate weeks. We actually just recorded our episode for A League of Their Own. So we're kind of having to go from, man, I love that movie. It's all, it's inspiring. It's about the, the women playing baseball. and it's the, We're going from that one that's, that's a very, very poignant and wonderful and funny and impactful movie to uh, yeah there's a a lot of aggressive cuddling in this one so you can probably hear it in our voices we i don't think we cared for this movie very much Mm -mm. much like the people and their relationships with each other in this movie we didn't care for this movie very much and i'm just gonna say too i want to go on the record as saying i mean okay I don't want to be like a prude and all that kind of thing. Maybe I do, but it's like, maybe you do. And and that's okay. But I mean, what really turned me off of that movie, everybody was nasty to each other. I mean, heck, even the people that looked like they were having a good time were stabbing each other with ice picks. But I mean, seriously, that was what it was. It's like, everybody was nasty and everybody was manipulative. And he was just a, he was just a jerk. And like, I mean, he was, you know, supposedly he was kind of, you know, he had plenty of vices and he was struggling with the demons of his past and he put those behind him, but then he went right back. And then not only did he go right back, he started becoming a jerk of a guy. And then even the one that was his, I guess, was it his girlfriend or was that his ex-wife or whoever the heck it was? And then he's back with her, but then she's manipulative to him. And then there's the one scene she gets all upset and she's like freaks out and she goes, I'm sorry. I, I, I sometimes lose control. And it's just like, well, what, what is going on here? Like what? I mean, it, it wanted to be that's a kind of was, thriller and it didn't land in so many places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's, it's like, I mean, yes, there's, you know, the stuff that the content in this is more typical of what you see of, of the, of the, you know, kind of the, the late night adult films mm-hmm. type thing. And if that's what you're into, Hey, you know, not my place to judge. Don't show it to kids. As long as kids aren't getting harmed in any way, shape or form, you know, like whatever. But it's like, 
you got to have a little bit more than that to draw me in and make me enjoy the film, you know, otherwise just make that. And, you know, I, it really, it really was. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep shaking my head and saying, yeah, it, it really kind of struggled with what it wanted to be. And just, everyone was just so nasty. The movie, if you haven't figured it out, is Basic Instinct. It came out on the 20th of March, 1992, with a rating of R, but there's an interesting story around the rating. I think I was, earlier today, Pat, I think I was sharing with you some of that story. The original cut of this movie, and apparently, sometimes when you can find it on video or overseas, this movie was NC-17 in its original cut, which I was kind of, as we were watching it the other day, I was like, this has got to be like very close to an NC-17 movie i can't imagine it wouldn't be well so the interesting history around that is the nc-17 rating had been created maybe about two years before this came out i want to say 89 is when that got created to replace the old x rating on movies and the x rating on movies was pretty much exclusively given to adult films so they created this nc-17 and the motion picture association of america really wanted to have a place where you could have a film that went beyond an R rating but was not classified as adult film. And they wanted that NC-17 to be a place where you could have movies of substance that were actual motion pictures, films, created by respectable directors and, and writers and whatnot, but without automatically having people label them as, oh, yeah, that's that's adult film. So what was interesting was the Motion Picture Association, who does the ratings, originally rated this NC-17. The director and the filmmakers came back and said, okay, well, we got to cut this down to R. That's in our contract with Paul Verhoeven, is that this be an R-rated movie. And the Motion Picture Association came back and said, Oh, no, 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 no. We want this to be NC-17. Like, we want to show that a movie can be made and it's not just an adult film. That it's an actual, like, like you know, psychological thriller type movie. And they said, well, sorry, that's our, our contract with the director. We have to have this be rated R. We've got to cut some stuff out. So apparently they cut 45 seconds of the movie that took it from an NC-17 to an R rating. So that is the story. Beyond, behind the why this movie is not rated NC-17. Yeah. Okay. For anybody for anybody overseas who does not know what the NC-17 rating is, that is no children under the age of 17 whatsoever. In, in America, if you have a movie that's rated R, you can bring someone who's under 17. You just have to be the parent or guardian or an adult who is bringing that person, but NC-17... No child underneath the age of 17 should be admitted to that movie whatsoever. So I think I'm trying to remember in other countries, when I lived in England, I know most of our ratings were based on age. So I don't recall if, because R in England, in England you don't have a PG-13, you have a 12, and then you have a 15, which is kind of like the lower R rating. It's like a halfway between a PG-13 and an R. And then I think the moment you have 
nudity or anything like that in it. I think it jumps up to an 18. And I want to say in England, the next number up was 21. And that was maybe their equivalent of the NC-17. Not 100% sure that I've got that right, but it was typically always based on some kind of age number instead of, you know, our letter system that we have. Uh, the runtime for this one is two hours and eight minutes. 18 and an R18, which I'm assuming really? is 18 with a parent. If you're younger, you could yeah. go, but the R18 would Restricted be... did 18, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it reads anyway. Okay, all right, maybe that's what it was. Maybe the, the 21 is maybe just... Uh, maybe I made that up. Or they that had it... Sense. I mean, Lord knows the rating system in the U.S. has changed. Yeah, that's true. I mean... So here's a funny thing. This movie is two hours and eight minutes, and A League of Their Own, I believe, was two hours and seven minutes. What, what a difference that makes. <laughs> the two movies we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, and they're, they're like a minute apart from each other, and that's a very different two hours and eight-ish minutes, depending on which of these you're watching. Director for this yeah. one, yeah, very, very different. Yeah, this, yeah, it kind of dragged a little bit. Director for this one was Paul Verhoeven, who also did RoboCop and Total Recall. So there are, I mean, his other, some of the other of his movies I like. Like, I love RoboCop. I love Total Recall. But, yeah, so he did this one as well. Uh, producer was Alan Marshall, who did Midnight Express and Showgirls. Writer was Joe Est- Esterhaus. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. He did Flashdance and Sliver. Cinematography was done by Jan de Bont. We did Die Hard and Flatliners. Pat, I bet I could bet I could edit this movie. I bet I could uh, film this movie in six minutes. <laughs> I, I bet I could watch seven minutes of this movie without walking away. Without without walking, I bet I could watch eight. <laughs> and then I bet after nine minutes, we're both dead. Yeah, that's right. Uh, editor for this one was Frank J. Uriast. He also edited RoboCop and Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, I think I hate that movie, but I don't recall. Is that the one where, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Deep Blue Sea, is that the one where Sam Jackson is standing there, like, giving some kind of a speech to a group of people, and a shark jumps up and eats him? Yes. I believe so. Okay, thank you. I do hate that movie. All right. I just was curious if that was the one that I remembered. I remember watching that movie and thinking, oh, cool, Sam Jackson movie. I would love to watch this. And doesn't he die within, like, the first five minutes? Maybe. I, I think so. Because yeah. there's also, isn't, is LL Cool J in that movie too? I, I think so. Yeah. Is in that movie as well. I just remember picking the movie up because I was on kind of this Samuel Jackson kick and I would go to the store and I'd rent a w- bunch of movies with Sam Jackson in them. And I was like, ooh, Sam Jackson and sharks. That's cool. And I remember the, the moment that that shark jumps up and takes him away. I'm like, are you kidding mm-hmm. me? Yes. The whole they reason I rented this you. movie. Yeah. I literally jumped the shark. Music was done by Jerry Goldsmith, who died in 2004. He did The Omen and Gremlins. Budget was $49 million. Box office was $352.9 million. So this made a lot of money. That it did. Lots and lots of money. There are two scenes why that made a lot of money. There are a couple of scenes, yes. Uh, Flick Metrics gives this a 61%, and CinemaScore gives it a B+. So the people that went to go see it, uh, apparently they saw what they wanted to see, so they gave it a B+. <laughs> That's very, yes. They saw what they went to go see. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is starring. There are a lot of you know what, and that's what I was a little sad about. There are so many good actors in this movie, and I just you know not to bury the lead here, but I just did I didn't like the movie, but there were so many great actors in it, and like there's so much potential mm-hmm. here, and just it's I don't like it. <laughs> so, Michael Douglas played Detective Nick Coran. He was in Wall Street and Fatal Attraction. Sharon Stone played Catherine Trammell or Trammell. She was in Sliver and The Quick and the Dead. George, I'm going to mess up his name, Zunza? I don't know. I saw it. I read it like six times. I still don't know. He played Gus. He was in Crimson Tide and Dangerous Minds. Jeannie Triplehorn played Dr. Beth Garner. She was in The Firm and Waterworld. Dennis Arndt played Lieutenant Walker. He was in the TV shows L.A. Law and Picket Fences. Leilani mm-hmm. Sorrell played Roxy Hardy. She was in Days of Thunder and Crash. Bruce A. Young played Andrews. He was in Risky Business and Jurassic Park 3. Chelsea Ross played Captain Talcott. He was in Major League and Hoosiers. Dorothy Malone, who died in 2018, played Hazel Dobkins. She was in Written on the Wind and The Big Sleep. Wayne Knight played John Corelli. He was in Jurassic Park and Dirty Dancing. Daniel Von Bargen, who died in 2015, played Lieutenant Nilsson. He was in RoboCop 3 and The Postman. And Stephen Tobolowski played Dr. Lamott. He was in Groundhog Day. Ned? Ned Ryerson? He was in Groundhog Day. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, was also in Single White Female, which actually we've got coming up uh, a little bit later this month. The mysterious Catherine Trammell, a beautiful crime novelist, becomes a suspect when she is linked to the brutal death of a rock star. Investigated by homicide detective Nick Curran, Catherine seduces him into an intense relationship. Meanwhile, the murder case becomes increasingly complicated with more seemingly connected deaths occur, and Nick's psychologist and lover, Beth Garner, appears to be another suspect. Here is the trailer, and we'll be back in just a second. I have a headache. So we got 31 stab wounds. What was it? Ice pick. I'd like to speak to a Miss Catherine Trammell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a writer. She published a novel. It's about a retired rock and roll star who gets murdered by his girlfriend. You know how she does the boyfriend with an ice pick? She intended the book to be her alibi. You didn't feel anything for him. You just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning, he gave me a lot of pleasure. You like playing games? Games are fun. What's your new book about? A detective. He falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She kills him. How's it feel to kill someone? You tell me. You're in over your head. She seduces people. She manipulates people. She's evil! Freeze! I have nothing to hide. You playing a game here? Games are over. Hey guys, I don't know if you know, I'm writing a book. It's about three guys that are doing a podcast. And they don't particularly care for the movie they're going to talk about. But do they die? With an ice pick. I got a headache. I feel like my brain is eating the inside of my skull. (laughs) Ouch. (sighs) That's my review of the movie. Okay. Okay. Your brain is eating the inside of your skull. Maybe... (sighs) Maybe I'm just being crabby. I don't want to be crabby. I, you know, there's one of our 
Patreon people is going to like love this movie and I'm going <laughs> to insulted it and I'm going to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to be Mr. Negativity. You go in knowing it, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I Maybe we get a whole bunch of Patreon people because we all hate this one. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Three it times. Had, the thing about this movie that gets me the most, I think, is it had potential. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. been a really good psychological thriller, and mm-hmm. it sort of missed the mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I will say that the Sharon Stone's performance in particular is not bad. You know, there are some times where mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little strange. There are some times where there are some times where I get a real Hannibal Lecter kind of vibe from her. And if she had kept that up mm-hmm. the whole time, you know, because Hannibal Lecter, like that's, I, I'm going to start comparing it to Silence of the Lambs now. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter was, you. I mean, you knew right away that he was creepy and probably evil, but he was also mm-hmm. very charming. And he had a wonderful singing mm-hmm. voice. He's dead now, but, and I wonder if, if she had played this character the same way, because you knew that was the thing about Hannibal Lecter is in watching silence of the lambs, you knew he was a bad dude. Cause he's locked up in this prison cell. I mean, away from, I mean, in one of the most highly secure prisons in a very unique situation. So you knew he did something really bad, but until mm-hmm. he eats the first guy's face in the movie, you don't really mm-hmm. get a sense. It's like, Oh, he's kind of a, you know, it's kind of an unassuming guy. He seems a little creepy. He's just but misunderstood. Maybe he's just yeah. misunderstood. Maybe people just don't understand. But then he treats the yeah. guy's face like deli meat. And and then it kind of, you know, unfortunately goes from there. I, With I think Chianti and fava beans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of creep myself out how well I do that. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things with this movie is you have you have a lot of good actors in this movie. You have some pretty good performances in this movie. You know, Sharon Stone, this is one of her bigger kind of breakout roles for her. So, I mean, she, as as a, maybe she's the killer, maybe she's not the killer. I thought that part was pretty good, like the, the way she, you know, played that part. But it mm-hmm. just... There wasn't really a story. Like, what was right? What was going on? Like, other than there being some murders, and I, I don't know that I really... Here, so the things that frustrated me is when I really tried to think about, all right, so what's the story here? And especially when you've got a, a psychological thriller and you're talking about somebody who's an author, I feel like there should be, like, layers. It's like an onion. There should be layers upon layers to this murder and these these stories. And there really wasn't. And then I'm just going to jump right to the end. I hate the fact that they showed the ice pick under the bed at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, that ruins the whole movie. Yeah, what, what is that? Why do I hate that, or why did they show it? No, no, why, why do you hate it so much? Because I think they did they did a nice job of spending the entire movie keeping it kind of ambiguous about who the killer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... To do all that work, and then at the very end be like, well, we're going to make it super obvious and show you. 
Yeah, I didn't I, like it. I guess I see your point. I was bummed that I had read as much re- as much background as I had, mm-hmm. because f- for a minute I was able to believe that maybe they were both still guilty. Uh huh. Yeah. But then I read some stuff and. Okay. Uh, so so I'm confused. Did, did was his girlfriend his ex-wife? No. I don't think the so. Okay. The wife was dead. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Okay. And so now the girlfriend, did she do it or did what Tramel? Did Tramel do it? I wanted it to be both. Okay. They knew each other in school. They were possibly more close than than they ever let on and I think they were both guilty of sin. But mm-hmm. if you and I think the movie does an interesting job of portraying that they both may have been guilty of sin until two big things. Even the ice pick is not a dead giveaway, but in the first scene on the HD version, you can clearly tell who the killer is. Mm-hmm. And then there's some interviews where they basically come right out and say it, which is unfortunate. Okay. Um, it's and it's it's the other gal. It's not uh Sharon Stone. No, no, Sharon Stone's the she's, Oh, it is Sharon Stone. She's the killer, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, see, I didn't even get the movie. I don't even know. I don't even know. You know what you know what I came away from this movie? The the feeling that I came away with from this movie was? <laughs> what feeling was that? The feeling that I came away from this movie was you know what? It's been 24 years since I've seen wild things. <laughs> that's, that's the feeling I had watching this movie. No, it's now. So some of the things that I, that I did appreciate about this movie were, and, and as we were watching this just a few nights ago, I mean, it, right away, both of us, you know, when we were watching this, uh, you know, after, obviously after the kids had gone to bed, we're watching this and, and we almost both simultaneously were like, this really has a Hitchcock feel to it. Hmm. So we kind of both decided, and that's the, I'm already gonna I'll, greatest generation guys. They ding the bell every time they've got their their episode title. I'm gonna ding the bell. We dubbed this film Dirty Hitchcock. Oh, I like it. So that's what I'm calling this one, and that's what I think describes this really well. Because and I you think get, Hitchcock would be proud. He probably would be. He probably would be. But you get so many elements of this movie that remind you so much of Hitchcock. You know, from the camera angles, like the the way up high camera angles, some of the different establishing shots, that entire car chase scene on, was I, I think that was supposed to be Highway 1 out in California on the coast. I mean, that reminded Come me so the coast, much. have a few laughs. This will make some eyes. <laughs> so, I mean, that whole thing reminded me, and the music. I mean, all of that together reminded me of a Hitchcock movie. So, you know, just the trains going into tunnels were not metaphorical. It just was, you know. A lot of a lot of dirty Hitchcock. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of where I where I come from with this movie is it, it seemed like it had some potential with the cast and 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 then everything after the movie after I finished watching the movie, then I was like, all right, well, let me read up on some of the making of stuff. Even Michael Douglas, like apparently when he first came to this movie and was signed on for it, he read the script and he was like, this script is terrible. I'm going to, you guys work on this script. I'm going to go make another movie right now, and then I'm going to come back, and then, you know, we'll we'll move ahead with this one. And apparently he came back, and he's like, this is still terrible, but I guess we got to go ahead and make this movie. 
So, I mean, you're kind of, <laughs> you have some of your major players going into this being like, well, it's bad, but let's go ahead and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, my, maybe that's the point at which you just stop and say, let's not. Yeah. And then to find out that, you know, Sharon Stone was tricked into, I mean, the most famous scene of this movie, you know, the, the entire two seconds that, you know, everybody right. probably fast forwarded right. through this movie to watch, that she was tricked into doing it. Like, as soon as I heard that, I, I mean, first of all, I didn't have any necessarily positive feelings towards this movie one way or the other to begin with. But then when I hear that the director tricked her into oh. doing what needed to be done for that scene, then I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like we've not, I don't want to get into the whole thing of like canceling people or canceling things, but I'm like, why has, why has this movie then not been canceled for that being the way that they went about getting that shot in the movie? Right. Like why, why has this movie not been pulled from places? Exactly. So I, yeah. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not the type of person that's like, oh, we should censor everything and we should, but I don't know. It just, there's something just, it just seems wrong. Agreed. Now, my understanding though, reading up a little bit later on that is my understanding is that even at, even though at the time that was, she was tricked into doing it, I believe, unless I've, unless I've read the wrong things that she has, that Sharon Stone has since decided to take that moment and use that as a way of empowering herself uh-huh. so at that point then with all the back and forth of why it happened how it happened how it's being viewed or used now by the people involved i'm like all right then that's maybe just uh, it's a little bit more of a complicated conversation than i'm ready to have right now yeah <laughs> yes yes to everything you said yeah it was my understanding there would be no math in the erotic thriller. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and like I said, I don't want to judge too harsh. They made a movie. They did the best they could. People worked on it. You know, I mean, great actors that I can't, I mean, I don't even, they have more talent in their little pinky fingernail than I have in my entire body. So, you know, I want to be careful roasting people on that, but yeah, it just, just didn't, didn't gel, didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where I, I almost started like mystery science theatering this thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I, Bo, when you and I were in high school, like we'd seen the Star Wars movies so many times that when the uh, special <laughs> editions came out, I think you and I just sat in the back of the theater and just were making fun of it the whole time. It certainly made it easy. Mm-hmm. So this one kind of got to be the same way. When, when Gus, his partner, is drunk and they're in that diner, and he's just like dropping f bombs and yelling, you know, all kinds of obscenity and everything else. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there watching that diner scene, and I'm going, "I'll not have what he's having." Yeah, I'm like, I start thinking of yeah. other movies. I'm like, there's got to be ways I can make fun of this movie now because it's just it's all strange and weird. Yes. So, I it just it just seemed it seemed to miss the mark, like with storytelling, mm-hmm. with the writing, and ironically. At the time, this was the highest. It was the highest paid script in Hollywood. I want to say like got three million dollars at the time and was the highest paid script. Huh. So I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm not writing screenplays, but yeah, there seems to be a lot 
missing from this. And like you said, Pat, I think you said it towards the beginning. I don't care about any of these people. Yeah. That's the thing is like, I, I, there's nothing, there's no one to get behind and cheer. Right. I mean, when people get murdered in a movie, you kind of want to care a little bit about them on a human level. Right. And in this movie, right. I'm just like, eh, I don't really care. Dennis talks about that with horror movies, right? Like yeah. the good horror movies make you care. You make you care about the people. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want, no, don't get so-and-so. Oh, shoot. You know, like you're you're kind of, yeah. you're bummed by that, you know? So, I mean, so play with this. Like here, we'll do spoilers for The Mask. Okay, like the mask with Jim Carrey, they do that. Like you think that the, this character is going to be the good one, and well, it ends up being the bad one, and then all of a sudden the bad one. Oh shoot, the bad ones. You know, I mean, play with us a little bit by that. Give us something to go on. But the, the just the feel, and I and again, I apologize if that's all I've said this podcast. But the feel of this movie was basically it was there to kind of show off these scenes that we're going to kind of push the envelope on, and. I mean, you know, and it's unfortunate if people get tricked by stuff and I, I, I just, ugh, that, that to me just, man, to even get a, get, get a whiff of that stuff happening. Like, like you said a few minutes ago, like you just want no part of it, but I mean, it's like, it just seems like that's what we're going to make. And so everything else just kind of, you know, yeah, everything else just will kind of help, not even help, but everything else just kind of fills in from there. You know, it's like the big Lebowski when Maud's showing him the the film that Bunny's in, you know, and she's like, you can imagine what happened next. And the dude's is like, he fixes the faucet. You know, I mean, that's kind of the thing with this movie. It's like I'm watching. It's like you can imagine what happens next. Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was that we were joking. I don't think I don't think we recorded this part last week when we were talking about um, League of Their Own. But I did say, and I, I think I've got it right here. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you now. I did pull out a scene because in watching that movie and then knowing that we were going to be watching and talking about this one as well, there was a scene yeah. at the etiquette, the charm school that the players go to in a League of Their mm -hmm. Own that I thought would would work so well for this movie if somebody would have just gone to talk to Catherine Trammell and, and maybe just coached her a little yeah. bit. Right over left. Legs always together. A lady reveals nothing. <laughs> yeah. That probably would have solved so many problems. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, probably the last thing I'm going to say about that particular scene, and then unless we have anything else, we can we can go on into our three questions. A lot of sweating in that scene. Yeah. A lot of men sweating. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of tension. <laughs> it just said gender norms and gender stereotypes. Set set that back a few years there. Mm -hmm. You ever podcast on cocaine? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just. And even that, like, which, you know, like, is she misunderstood? Like, she starts calling the first name. No, you know, mm -hmm. guy just quits smoking. It's like, yeah, you're going to start again. It's mm -hmm. just like, what the? And then, but like, but then he just totally overreacts. And it's like these long stares, like, oh my gosh, you said the magic word. Yeah. I am going to start smoking again. Yeah. It's, it'd be like, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. You're going to do this. Yeah. No, no, not so much. 
Well, that's what that was what she did so well in those scenes where she was being extra creepy, where she's calling people by their first names and she's being mm-hmm. way too familiar with them. That was that was the very much the Hannibal Lecter kind of moments that I enjoyed mm-hmm. about her character. But then like later on it just got it was just weird. It was weird segues into other I don't know, other emotions or other whatever. Like they're walking on the beach and and she's like, oh, and then you're going to fall in love with me. And he's like, I've already fallen in love with you. And I'm like, wait, what? You, you did? <laughs> when did that happen? Like, what? Huh? Huh? Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then the, and then, the, then there's, you know, the club where there's what? We're dancing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just going to say like, okay, I tried a couple of the moves I saw. And it's kind of like, okay, if I can pull the moves off, they're lame. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to be that. And it's like, then there's the weird dancing and then there's the staring and then they're all in the bathroom and then there's the drugs and the, the mm-hmm. and it's just, it's. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, it, it was a peculiar movie. It it just did not appeal to me, but like yeah, however yeah. many percentage people like did, you know, I mean, it got its money back. So they did something right. And I know it did. Yeah. There were actors and actresses like working hard on it and they did a better job than I could. So, Hey, you know, I shouldn't judge too harshly, but I just, it just kind of fell a little flat for me. Yeah. Just not my thing. It's someone's thing, but it's not my thing. Yeah. Not my thing, John. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, if you want to go see something similar that might be better is uh wild things from 1998. Starring Kevin Bacon, Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell, Denise Richards. Bill Murray is in that one. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> like, I'm going to give a recommendation for a completely different movie. I mean, it was kind of interesting because I expected, knowing, having not seen this movie before, this is the first time I've ever watched it, the only thing I knew about this movie was that one particular scene. The one that everybody, I'm sure the reason why it made its $359 million was that one particular scene. And not knowing anything about it, like in my mind, I had always heard about this movie. And I always, just in in clips that you would see from time to time where, you know, somebody would be referencing this movie or, you know, whatever the case might be. I always kept thinking that must be like a really good psychological thriller. Like, is, I wonder why this is so popular. Like, it, they must just, it must be a great psychological thriller. So having not seen it before, I'm kind of putting it up in my mind as a, like a Silence of the Lambs type thing. And it just, not at all. All right. Got anything else before we do three questions? No, no. I, okay. Yeah, I was, I was agreeing with you. Sorry, I... I started yawning uncontrollably, so I muted myself, but I forgot to unmute. But yeah, no, I agree. It was just, I had a different movie in mind. Okay. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts, Bo, before we jump into three questions or the three questions? No, I mean, I think, I think we've, we've talked enough about it. It's, it just didn't live up to the hype. I feel feel like our three questions might be more interesting than the movie itself. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said 
is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Question number one. What is the lamest car chase in a movie? Because this one wasn't great. It, it wasn't like slow and tons of suspense, but it wasn't like a good fast car chase. They kind of like went halvesies. <laughs> you know, it, so. I, yeah, this I, one I might, know my answer. This one might be up there. You, you, what was you, that? I know my answer. If you guys need a moment, I know mine. What's your answer, John? What's your answer? Okay, so we didn't do this movie last year, and it's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. But I did go look up. I'm like, I feel like I remember that being a terrible car chase in that movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a great Mm -hmm. movie to begin with. But Mm -hmm. my choice is going to be the car chase from Samurai Cop from 1991. So if you haven't seen that, I'll, I'll share the link with you at some point. You can There's a, a video of it on YouTube. Samurai Cop is, is kind of a weird, goofy little movie anyway from 91. And there are some obvious reasons that we didn't necessarily do it. I mean, number one is that it was direct-to-video. Like, it was not, mm-hmm. didn't have a theatrical release or anything like that. Right. And it's kind of one of those, like, cult films. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's probably only got people that watch it because it's weird and crazy. There's a terrible car chase in it. Like, you can tell at different times that the the frame rate has been sped up to make it look like the cars are going faster than they really were. It's A lot of it is very obvious, and it's very... Just the, the whole editing and the filming of it is just absolutely terrible. Yep. All right. There you go. So, Samurai Cop. Car chase in that one. That's Samurai one. Cop. I got that. I, I might have to say this movie... I mean, I can't think of, like, all the car chases okay. I think of are good ones. So, unless something else comes to mind, I, I might have to say this movie. Okay. It's hard to narrow it down to one, but I feel like, because when I think of, like, bad car chases, sometimes it's, like, the movie itself was so bad, the car chase sticks out. Mm-hmm. Like... It's a really bad movie. I don't even remember what year it's from. But Angelina Jolie and Wanted. And it's just... Is that like 2006 or 2007? Yeah. And it's, you know, you said the frame rate was sped up for that one. Mm-hmm. This is one of those where they, like, slowed everything down. And everything was slow motion, and that mm-hmm. was supposed to make it look more intense. And it was just too much of it, you know? Sometimes it's just too much. Isn't Wanted where they curve mm-hmm. the bullet? Yes. yes. I think it, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, all I could remember was some of the slow motion stuff and Angelina Jolie, and it took me longer than I want to admit to narrow into the movie itself well you know yeah i feel like that's the one where they were doing like the whole curve curve the bullet trick yeah i think you're right it's it's ringing a bell because i remember mythbusters then did a thing on that like could you actually curve the bullet yes yeah yes Mm -hmm. i remember that yeah that was not great yeah and it again it, it it's funny that it's similar to what you said about yours like they just did too much effect on it yeah. to make it 
enjoyable. Yeah. And then you think of some of the good ones, and really all they are is cars driving fast. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Like, they mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be fancy. <laughs> right, right. Cars driving fast with really good stunt drivers weaving in and out of traffic, and that's good stuff. I, I, mm-hmm. I take, when I consider what makes a good car chase scene, I take the way that Pat, you know, used to say goodbye to people. Drive, mm-hmm. drive fast and take risks. Right. That's all you need. Right. You know, that's you you got really great and sometimes you don't even have to drive all that fast. You could be the Blues Brothers driving through a mall. Yeah. That's a great car chase scene. Yeah. Yeah, slow speed chases are good too as yeah. long as they're fun. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. All right. Yes. Uh question number 2, what is your first instinct, fight or flight? For me it's always fight. And okay. I mean that's that's just my gut reaction. Like whether that's having an argument as opposed to walking away, whether it's wanting to get in someone's face as opposed to, you know, and it's like, I try to temper that mm-hmm. and be like, okay, just go walk away and think twice and all, you know, and I think I've gotten better in my old age of, of tempering that. But I, my gut reaction, like, even if I know I'm not going to fight, if I'm, I know, okay, whatever this person says in this meeting, I'm just going to like, let it go and let it roll off and live to fight another day and blah, 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 blah. But as soon as it's said, like, I still get that pulse quickens heart comes up. Like it's in my throat. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to let this person, you know, Oh wait, no, wait, let's, let's just walk away. It's all good. And we're walking away we're backing out and we're clear. So, you know, but yeah, of the two, that's, I, I tend to go with the fight approach first. Yeah. I'm more of a flight guy. I, I don't have the energy for fighting for the most part. <laughs> I think I probably tend to be a flight, but with the potential to fight if need be, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. might, I might fight while I'm flighting. I learned I what you're saying. I mean, I learned from Cobra Kai that Mr. Miyagi's advice on the best way to avoid a fight is no be there. You know what Mr. Miyagi said was the best defense in all of karate? High outside block against an axe kick. The best defense is no be there. You mean don't be there? Guy teaches you centuries of his ancient family karate and you can't help him with his English? Don't even go there. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> So there you go. If you don't want to watch Basic Instinct, just go watch Cobra Kai. Exactly. There's, there's four, what, four seasons of that now? Oh, yeah. So much better. In, go watch that. In the fourth. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing stuff. Did you finish the fourth season? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good. Oh, yes. I, I didn't want to ruin anything. All right. Question number three. Final question here. How do you like your ice? Cubed, crushed, or something else? Crushed. Okay. Oh. You're a crushed ice kind of guy. Or... Death Star. There we go. See, that's my mm. answer. I have the I have the little things that will make the the spherical ice. Mm. And when I when I'm enjoying an adult beverage of some kind, typically Usually a a brown liquor. If if it's a if it's a bit of the Lagavulin, yeah, that that usually goes in the little glass with the the spherical shaped ice there. Nice, Ooh. large ice cube. Mm. Nice. Wash this down with. So I, I go with the spherical ice. I like the I like cubes. I like the cubes because I like to crunch them up, you know, mm-hmm. when done. I will say this, the ice that they do at this uh, frozen ice place, you know, where it's like 
I don't know if it's chipped or cut or blended or whatever it is. Do they get the ice or the perfect size so that it's refreshing? It and when they when they make a little icy thing for you, it blends nicely with the fruit or with the syrup. So I do like my ice a certain way in smoothies. If yeah, but, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do like the snow cone or the shaved ice, then you get yeah. You yes. Gotta, yeah. Yes. Yes. There is a uh, there's a little place in Libertyville town just mm-hmm. kind of over from where we are here and they do have a place that is a is a shaved ice place and so I, cool i do love me a good snow cone careful right. you don't want to call shaved ice snow cones they I, get mad about that stuff. i know i know yeah sometimes i also put ketchup on my hot dogs oh so, there it is man <laughs> hashtag resist I'm, I'm sorry chicago sauce on my hot dog yeah that's it Chicago sauce. Uh-huh. Have, have, we said, have we said everything that you wanted to say? Oh, yes. About Basic Instinct? Oh, that and more. Was was talking about this movie dangerous? <sighs> no. Because if it was dangerous, doesn't that make it a good podcast? Okay. Danger is our middle name. Danger. I just I want to make a comment, and I want, to, I want to find a way to phrase this while remaining a family-friendly show. You're I'm all sure. out of bubblegum? I'm not sure. Well, yeah. I'm not sure how I can phrase this. Beginning of the movie, when the gentleman is stabbed with the ice pick and killed, mm-hmm. after, let's say, they were baking potatoes, mm-hmm. in other parts of the movie, when you build up to this point where you think that Sharon Stone's character is going to do that to Michael Douglas, it happens mm-hmm. twice other times in the movie. Yeah. Maybe yeah. just Maybe just don't do it like that. Right. Because it's like right up to the last second, you think maybe he's going to get stabbed too. And it's like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. no, she just was falling down. Maybe don't fall down that way. But she did there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, See, falling down, yeah, with the Michael, yeah. (laughs) That's another good one. Go watch that one instead. Much better movie. Look at this sorry, miserable, squashed thing. Can anybody tell me what's wrong with this picture? You're you're clever tonight. I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring whatever I can. I'm trying to help Basic Instinct. Basically, you're helping, I'm, John. You're I'm, helping. I'm just. I'm just. I'm here to help. Yes. That's gonna do it for this one, folks. If you want to head over to thirtypodcast.com, you go to our website, check out all of our past episodes, and you can check out our Patreon page. Join us there if you'd like to. You get uh, access to bonus episodes that you would not get otherwise. All kinds of fun stuff there. Our next episode's coming up here for the month of February. We have got uh, Women in Film is our Patreon episode for February. And then the rest of this month, we've got Single White Female, Sister Act, and Jennifer 8. March, our Patreon is Death Trap from 1982. And then we've got Far and Away. We've got our 400th episode where we redo the first, the the audio that was lost from our very first ever episode. We're going to be doing Gremlins, Ghostbusters, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Then we've got The Last of the Mohicans, Scent of a Woman, and The Bodyguard. Oh, jeez. And then in April, we we have got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, In the month of April, then our Patreon is High Noon, which came out in 52. So I think that's reaching its 70th anniversary. Nice. Okay, wait. 2022 minus 1952. It was my understanding that there would be no math. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's, I think 70, but I'm, it's too late at night for me to do math. Yes. Patriot Games is also in April. Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Universal Soldier. 
cool. Which I just rewatched Universal Soldier maybe a year or two ago. And oh, yeah. I was like, I vividly remember watching this at an age where I probably was way too young to watch it at a sleepover at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And and it's still it's still like it's still fun. Yeah. It's still fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So looking forward to those. Gentlemen, as always, so much fun talking movies, even bad movies. Like I have fun talk, talking bad movies with you. Yeah, it's a good time. Most Great definitely. seeing you as always. As always. All right. Ladies, gentlemen, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. We'll see you back here next time for Single White Female. 